Hi, I'm Nana. And I'm Bunkio, and this is African.American. This is a show where we take a closer look at a subset of, of the African diaspora, the children of African immigrants growing up in America. We call ourselves African.Americans out of respect for the fact that the hyphen between the two words denotes a particular community history and culture. This show is going to take a look at how they overlap, intersect, and at times don't touch at all. So why this show and why now? This show was born from WhatsApp conversations about our experiences in the U.S. Most are aware that conversations about blackness aren't as nuanced as they should or could be. We want to change that and create a space where African.Americans can complicate the landscape. We plan to talk about a variety of issues on this podcast, from serious themes to more jovial ones and everything in between. And today's theme is beauty brains and resources. (laughs) (laughs) You said the African... (laughs) We haven't even gotten there yet. (laughs) So we want to start each show with a segment we are calling Konkonsa, or Gossip. It's where we take something from African or African.American news and discuss it. Today, we are going to talk about gonna bounce gonna bounce what's the ideal african woman's body so for those of you who don't know about gonna bounce gonna bounce is a song it's actually by a nigerian artist of course um what's his name <laughs> Il ajay butter 22 and ajay butter actually uh, oh no his the artist is mr easy i'm so oh, that's confused a, that's a popular artist. no the artist is ajay butter 22 mr easy is the one the let go over my baby give me a let go over that one so this ajay butter 22 dude um has a song called gonna bounce mm. um check the video out on youtube it's very interesting it's basically about a woman with a very large rear end the whole song is about her rear and end, bouncy rear end. Yeah, it's, it's really funny the song is again Aww. one of those things that makes me go how is this like popular right now mm-hmm. what does he say things like your yash, yash means butt, like ass. If your yash was a house, it would be a mansion. Like, what, is this supposed to... Oh, the Lord help us all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really funny. Anyway, the song is cute um, for what it is in no. terms of, like, the quips that he makes and the little witty comments. There's, like, even a reference to Empire of the Show. It's cute. It's smart. It's, it's, it's cutesy. Um, Interesting. But uh, the the thing about Ghana Bounce, again, is the woman in the video. Like we said, her rear end is is huge. Um, and thinking about like this video and other videos that I've seen, there's another song from like 10 years ago with a bunch of African, West African rappers, mainly Nigerian rappers, mm. I think, and it was called Booty Call. And again, it was another like song that made me go, wait, this is popular right now. And some of the lines are so funny. It'd be like, and I think they make it catchy. Oh no! So it's like, it's like, the like way that's how you that gluteus maximus that's bouncing around. That's how they get you. And you're that's like, wait, that's wait, that's wait! How wait. they get you? This is funny. Are you like round like parabola? And you're like, <laughs> what? It, there's a line in there that says round like parabola. And you're just like, oh my god! <laughs> no, Where did someone get this from? But these are words that they wrote, and there's something else that he said. I don't sip to it. I drink to it. I'm like. <gasps> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so yeah, again, that song is called Booty Call. Um, Wande Cole is one of the rappers in there. Wande if you're curious um, about that, you can um, Google it. Yeah, Google it, check it out. Um, that song's pretty old, though. But, you know, we have, we have equivalents in the U.S. all the time. Mm, so, yeah. butt songs. Yeah. Not just, you know, the one that, not just sort of mix a lot, but like going on. Um, but if you think about, sense, yeah. 
bodies because mm-hmm. one of the things that came up right now and when i showed you the, the gun yeah. balance you were like that's not a real boot but and we started talking about <laughs> and i was like look i i don't know what's real or not um <laughs> i don't know why it like makes me sad if i find out someone's butt's not real like i just found out okay i know i'm really late to the game cardi b's butt is not real girl how do you see that butt and think it's real i don't i just i was just like i just watched the video for the money song the new song I was oh, like, oh it's so, it looks so pretty in it and i was like oh her shape is so pretty and you know people always want to hate me like that ain't real i'm like no it is yes it is why are you saying this and then like yeah i found out that the, it isn't so it's just really interesting mm-hmm. like just thinking about like what is like praised in women particularly since we're talking about african women like african.american women african-american women you know, what's, what's, I think, what was your idea of what the ideal African woman's body type was growing up? Mm. And then, like, how does that, how did that compare to what you understood to be the African-American ideal? <laughs> oh, what I came to know as the American, African-American ideal. I mean, as I a kid, you know, as yeah. growing up, what did you think? Uh, I mean, the, the, the ideals were mostly like, neck aesthetic. The neck like, rings the, around the it? The rings around it. Because that is certainly beautiful. like mine. Like yeah. mine. To me, it looks like pancakes. It looks like a bunch of pancakes. Like you have a you have beautiful like you. Yours is considered. Sierra Leoneans <laughs> tell me that in my mother's generation all the time. Yes. Like, oh, get caught snack, and I'm like, but you'd be so shocked that in in the U.S., like that's not considered. That's not cute. It looks like some pancakes. It apparently, like apparently, of- you can put threads around it to to make it straight. <laughs> shot you yeah. <laughs> the the kind of you know of course the complexion those with light with lighter complexions um the what we call the beauty mark it's like this black i mean i would people are here i think refer to it as a mole oh kind of okay like, like a cindy crawford kind like of thing yes yeah, like it's like the but, it black. To, but where should it be so it's, it's it can be anywhere on your body like in the middle of her head? It, it can be anywhere Interesting. It's not like the mole that protrudes, but like it's a, oh, like a, a black small. small thing. Okay. And folks, you know, when when people see that, it means you're beautiful. Um, you know, the long hair. What uh, about long hair in Ghana? That's for Ghanaian communities. Yes, like perm, the long the permed, the oh, perm, the perm, that's straight back in the day, the perm straight hair. Um, what, what about else? her booty? I mean, the booty. I, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Fact. I don't remember the booty back in the day being, being like a, a thing. big thing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember the booty being being a big thing. So um, it was more so the I, face. It was more the, the face. Teeth. Oh, the, the gap teeth. But then I came to this country and, and I it's not. The, and the, I the have, was like, you need some braces. I, I like, have a slight gap, and I have been going back and forth with it because I girl, don't don't, know. Don't, don't listen to these people. You no, know, people be like, oh, your gap's not too bad. I'm like, hey, how, wait, I have a gap. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I first came back to this country. I couldn't believe some dentist was like, "Oh, yeah, girl." No, I mean, I definitely, I don't mind mine, but like, if if I could begin, I sometimes I feel like it's widening. I'm like, look, if I if I could stick my tongue between these two suckers, we we're getting them closed. Like just for me, you know, like I can't. You don't have to deal with people. I don't want to yeah. deal with it, and I I mean, I don't like it. I don't. I mean, girl, it used to be something that people wanted. Yeah, because it's like you know the gap, the gap in the teeth. That's you're beautiful. I mean, you have all of it. The neck, the, the West neck. African. No, of course, I've definitely had. I definitely had a dude tell me you are like the epitome of West yes. African beauty. I was like, um, you really are saying a lot right now. Like, <laughs> but you come to this country and it's like, and it's not. It's not the vein. Like, this is not. None of this is in vogue, boo boo. <laughs> This is not how it goes. Boo-boo. But but imagine my shock when I, I think when I when I um I was in Ghana recently and 
That was my first time in about four years. And even four years ago, folks, everybody has a butt. I mean, I had a flat. I, I shouldn't be saying this. But I had a flat butt there. I was looking around like, what? But see, I thought that, like, see, for my community, that's what I always understood is that you need to I mean, people have like voluptuous, like, bodies. But it's like the butt was never a thing of, oh, so... I mean, I'm not just talking about just a, a, a nice, plump, big butt. Like, people go all the way. You mean, like, they're, it's like you a coffee table I'm at this point. Everybody, and it's like, when they're walking, it's like, will it Shabbat? Will it Shabbat? <laughs> but that's <laughs> the ideal. See, <laughs> I don't know I when like, that became the <gasps> ideal and when that became, like, the standard. But we've, 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 I think we keep moving to Western standards. It's like... No, but I don't think the Western standard is the booty. When you know, I think white, okay, white, well, when I say we, we mainstream white say, culture yes, has yes, adopted it, yes, it definitely wasn't yes. it growing up. It wasn't growing and up. And I think for me, true. even if I compare, I've always thought about like the African ideal. Okay, yeah, the cut next stuff. I and don't. we even have the unento to sabodi. It's like the calf muscle, like when you have a nice, you know, you mean round small ankle? Calf, no, not the small ankle. Girl, I'm not talking about chicken legs. <laughs> hey, you call it chicken legs. <laughs> I'm not talking you about chicken legs. The I'm talking cankles? about no, not cankles. Like your calf, like you know, it's, oh, the it's actual... like you know the plantain. You know how the plantain is shaped. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's you, a, you see? I'm yes. laughing because I can kind of see yes. it. She's going. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is so interesting. Like that was a beauty idea. Like, but now it's, it's just like boob. Not now was I don't not as much even boob. But it's a butt. Yeah. Everybody got. I mean, butt. you gotta. <laughs> so, like what where did this happen like i i will say though that i do think that in general though the african ideal and the african-american ideal which i think are a little bit different mm-hmm, from each other mm-hmm. um still accept we're more accepting of, of the ideals of the rounder body mm-hmm, type. Mm-hmm. um whereas i don't think that was the american ideal yeah i think mean, that's it's just interesting to me to grow up and like i have these i had this one that one in the mainstream white america mm-hmm. What makes me really sad is thinking about myself in high school. I was mm. probably a size six in high school. I played volleyball. Well, I was on the volleyball team. I don't know if I played. I, <laughs> She's like, I, I don't know if I played. I wasn't good. Um, but I did it for exercise and so I can get into college. And um, I was going to dance. <laughs> yes. It'd be real like that. Three years on this sports team shows dedication, leadership, that was all me of in that. Tennis. Um, played volleyball, was on a dance team. I actually did do the, the dance stuff. Um, but I thought I was fat. Like I, 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 I thought I was. I would stand in the mirror and like pinch my. I don't know what. I don't know what I was pinching because I have so much more now. There's so much more of me to love. And don't you just wish you could you could go back there? Just I I do. I wish, and I think it's it's you know now I'm like thirty something. I think about it at different phases in life. You just wish you could go back to that person and be like, don't spend so much time looking back Mm. because then I got to college and I gained a lucky like seven pounds in college. I was looking back to my high school Mm. years. Then I got to grad. I was pretty much the same through grad school, Mm. and then like late twenties, my metabolism was shot. Um, so now I have the body type that's closer to like the African ideal of like round, you know, you have these discussions with friends. I have friends who are friend who's really, really skinny. Mm. She's so cute, which is tough because she's weirdly mage, but she's very petite and has a very young face. Mm. And she's like, you don't know what it's like for people to think you're 12. And she's like, I'm like, but I'm like, I feel like I'm fat. 
probably trying to she's probably trying to gain weight to but kind of she's yeah. trying and she's like you don't understand what it's not to like to not have like a soup what's thought of as a super womanly body but when it's she just, comes to, when she when she's in the u.s she's seen she's the seen and she's probably getting right. a whole but then is she even i think that, that, that that's the question now because now we can get into this space where you need to you need to have a booty in America, right? Yeah. Like even white can people, be even white girls gotta have booty. It can it's be like no the pancake. Longer, <laughs> it's no longer the standard. So it's just oh a crazy space of like, how did all this happen? I think I went back and I was watching Ten Things I Hate About You. I mm. think or Bring It On. That movie, whichever. What movie was Gabrielle Union in? Oh, Bring writer? It On. Bring was it she on. in Ten Things I Hate About You? As no. What? Well, oh, she was. She was. It but was she, had a, she had a. She had a. She also played a. She also played a cheerleader. Actually, she was like our age. Man, that woman's beautiful doing that, and. I'm going to be a little bit younger than we are now. And I'm like, wow, she was so skinny. Like, I look at those people, and they were so, they look so mm-hmm. thin to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they look better now as, like, older, more developed folk. Mm-hmm. But that was the standard when I was in high school. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that, that didn't look, no, that looked absolutely normal. normal to me. Yeah. But um, now when you go back and look at it, you see. Yeah, and I just wonder about, like, this. what does this say about us as a global community? Because no matter where you go, whether you're in America and you need to put stuff in your butt no uh, the reason why i found out about the cardi b thing and again i know i'm late to the game she mm. actually talked about getting these bootleg butt implants from somebody she was gonna go back and the person actually was arrested and had because they had killed somebody this reminds me of the Ghanaian doctor who so i never knew this i i always thought that the, the Ghanaians who had the butts had the you know you know the the the, the pant thing you can wear to kind of give you the plum oh i've seen those yeah. adverts okay i have I don't so, like, to make it, yeah. you know, give you give you more to give round, you the round look when you're yeah. Well, I always thought that was it, but apparently there's a doctor in Ghana who'd been you know doing surgeries and some, surgeries. It's not he's a legit doctor. Oh, okay. Well, they say that he's a legit doctor, um, and he recently, I guess he's been doing it for a lot of people. I don't know how many people have died before this particular um, more famous woman. She passed away while getting such surgery, and so they jailed this man. And I'm just like, you know, people are going in there wanting this. He's providing the service. If he's legit, there are risks. People knew there were risks. Yeah, there are always risks with any kind of surgery. It's very interesting, yeah. It's just like you didn't think that Africans do that. I knew that there there were creams. Like people, some people put, I mean, what kind of cream do? But I guess it it works. I mean, it, it just, it's just so interesting that like, your community when your community you see your community getting into this game as well that you didn't really think that you were part of yeah just because i've always thought of africans as being more i don't say more forgiving but like the african ideal for body to me is in line it's like more in line with just like how people just naturally are Mm -hmm. um and so I, I see, like, the, the struggle to fit into, like, a white idea. Like, mm. I've never... I think that was my, my issue in high school. I was, like, six. I was 18 or 16 years old. And I wasn't fat. Mm-hmm. But um, I wasn't a zero. <laughs> right? And that was what you I were I was a two. Yeah. And that's what... Oh, now I'm like, God, just, you know, Lord, just give if me... If I could go back there. Lord. <laughs> it doesn't even halfway. Lord, I just need to just... This isn't halfway down. I'll be I, fine. I just need to get... 2019, you know, um, you know, Nana, I ate my last Cinnabon mm. yesterday. Mm. I just need Oh, to, that was your last one? That's my last one oh, for I'll a while. I'll be monitoring you, yeah. For a while. Oh, until really? at least June, yeah. You're not going to get one before? My plan is to get slim and trim by Easter. I can do this. The Lord my God is with me. Yeah, when is Easter this year? I don't know, March, April. I got three months, four months to fix, figure this out. I can do it. I've done it before. The the issue is 
the maintenance when you get older in your metabolism. But anyway, back to these beauty ideals. I think now that you're an adult, right, Mm -hmm. and you see this whole place, like how do you like navigate these beauty ideals and how you deal with your body? I'm still over here trying to get into the diet game. Um, I've never been a dieter. Um, <laughs> I'm in the diet game. I mean, it's like you're you're sitting there doing, I refuse to go to a doctor and remove fat anywhere and put it in my body. I mean, at, like, the end, I refuse at, to at a it. certain point, like what you got is what you got. So what are you going to? And I mean, I know it's easy. My sisters will be like, it's easy for me to say because I got a booty. But I actually think I have too much. And I actually don't like when I look in the mirror and it does that. The Wale Shabbat. I go, oh my God. Like my butt, like each cheek moves at its own pace. What is going on here? Um, that's a little scary for me. I mean, I do exercises to, to try to, you know, I try. I'm in, I'm in the diet game too. But it's like, like you try to fit in. But that's what sucks. Should we be trying to fit in or should we be trying... I mean, trying to fit into your clothes is one thing, but trying to fit in... <laughs> Not just my clothes. <laughs> right? Trying to... You know, I... You, I, you, just, you, 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 I, I mean, you take better care of your skin. You, It's just... I think that's different, though. I think of those things as, like, health-related things. But, like, doing things so I can have bigger breasts or I can have a bigger booty. Am I doing that for me or am I doing that for society? I mean, that can be couched as exercise. Like, you're exercising. It's for health reasons. It's just so, you know, it just so happens that the byproduct of that is a plum butt. (laughs) Okay, as someone with a plum butt, like, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. I just Chloe Kardashian told me that if I, if I did my um, what is that what is that what is that even that exercise called crunches no 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 which one stand up do it uh, squats yeah squats, squats. If, I, if I did my squats you know I'll, that's how she got her plump butt that's in the but so we, know awesome. that's, <laughs> we know that's a lie from the pit of hell so let's just keep on a lie from the pit of hell <laughs> I just. <laughs> Oh my god! So I would start doing mine too, girl. I just like where can women find a refuge? That's what I'm talking about. But what where? if you don't got no Ghana bounce? You should be you. We all say this, right? You should be happy the way that you are. But if you don't have Ghana bounce, you do feel like you get left, right? But if you don't. You you can be happy the way you are and still try to fit in. It's like it doesn't need to control your every existence. It doesn't, but I just feel like some people, by having these ideals and like pushing for them, that we're leaving people by the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're pushing yeah, people to try to achieve something. Like, look, if you ain't got no booty, no amount of squats in the world is going to give you a booty, a Kardashian beauty, booty. The only thing that's going to give you that is going to the doctor and getting those injections. I think and there's nothing home. wrong with doing it if that's what you do. You want to do. If that's what you want to do, if that's what's going to make your career move faster. But when it feels like everybody's doing it and when it feels like the standard, when you see on videos that this woman has like, you know, boots on the train. You see people walking by the wayside and it's like, wow. Right. But because what I'm saying is like the stereotype for black women in particular is that we got booties. Everybody says that about us. And it's like, what if you don't? How are you supposed to feel? I think that's the... But everybody probably doesn't even think my, my butt is amongst... My butt is Your butt's a not flat. flat. <laughs> when you said you had a flat butt, I was kind of like, no, I've definitely seen flatter. I have, I, you've seen flatter. I've never seen but it. Comparatively, 
Yes. Compared to the Ghana Bounce video, yes. But like <laughs> compared I to what I saw, I, I was like, whoa. Oh, what you saw in Ghana now whoa. these days. Whoa. Whoa. Everybody got butt. <laughs> Nana. No. <laughs> like it, it was a shock of my life. I'm like, how come nobody else? Everybody has an ass. And I know. Because growing up, Not I didn't see that. Maybe people have matured. <laughs> Come on, it's small. You know, when Come you grow up on. and grow into your body, then you get a little bit nah, more. Nah. And, and then the the, 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 the tiny waist, mm-hmm. with the waist. I mean, that's here too. With the people who wear the waist trainers and get the tiny waist. <sighs> yeah, I just, again, why can't we just love ourselves? But this is a conversation I think we're going to have yeah. to continue to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> for now. I'm okay with my Ghana bounce. You be okay with your Ghana bounce. Our Ghana bounce doesn't have to be like mine. Don't bounce that. like that, girl. Can't nobody's bounce like that woman's bounce. But another thing, you know, to, just to round this off, another thing that happens, and I think that this is where I come in, because again, I do have, as someone told a me, an ample backside, ample which is I was like, how how is that a compliment, sir? But that is because uh, no. When someone tells you you have an ample backside, that's not it's, the way you framed it. It just sounds so <laughs> like I don't even know what to say about that. But when you have that, people assume that you can twerk and things like that. Now I you can't. I can't twerk the same. Girl, I, you can learn. I can learn, but I haven't had good teachers. Right? Like you I don't can't isolate the butt for it to move on. It's I think I need somebody who can explain to me the mechanics of it better. But that's you the other to, problem. The mecha- I need somebody who can explain to me yes. the mechanics. If I can understand the mechanics of it, then I can do it. You just feel the flow. No, you don't just feel the flow because I do it, and my sister's like, "You look like you're electrocuting yourself," and I'm like, "I can do this." Uh, 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 yeah. Bad. So. I'm just saying that when we have these ideals and we have these stereotypes about what African women can do or what black women can do, when you can't do that, you feel like... Isolated, left out. Well, you feel incomplete, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you ain't got a booty, you feel bad. If you got a booty but you can't twerk, you feel bad. Like, these are things I'm supposed to be able to do magically, Mm -hmm. instinctively. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is really hard. Yeah. But, you know, she's let, let's move on to the next. <laughs> Lord have mercy. There are a lot of feelings in this episode. <laughs> so now we're going to switch gears um, to go into our next segment called The Chat, where we get a little bit more real. Um, today's topic is sex and the African city. Great. So there were two specials, for lack of a better term, last year that featured or focused on the sex lives of African women, yeah. which, by the way, is a really good short story. Have you ever read it? It's by a Ghanaian mm-hmm. author. Mm-hmm. The same woman that wrote Ghana Must Go. I'm forgetting oh. her name. Something Selassie. I want to say Haile Selassie, but that's... No. Um, Haile Selassie is like the guy who was head of Ethiopia. Um, <laughs> so that, that can't be right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Granta Magazine. Taye Selassie. Taye, yeah. Uh, say it yeah. again so I can say it correctly. Taye? Taye I Selassie. Know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't recognize that name. Okay, it's not from the you. First it's name. not from... It, it may be. It's, no, it's Charles Ewe. She's a mix. Uh-huh. She's Nigerian and Ghanaian, yeah. actually. That's why the book Ghana Must Go was... Yeah, got it. Sorry, I'm starting to remember all the backstory. But that actually has nothing to do with this segment. Um, okay. But she did write a book called... A story. A short, a short story, story called The Secret Lives of African Girls or African Women. Mm. And it was really good. I'll share it with you, Ghana. Uh, Ghana. Uh, you, Ghana. <laughs> you, Nana. <laughs> you, Nana, with your Ghana bounce. Well, can um, we get it right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it together. But, you know, it's all this twerking practice that has been going <laughs> 
even go in the way that I want. I'll show you sometime, girl. No, it was Cardi B who inspired me. Again, that new video. I was like, oh, I can do it. I was like, oh, hey, I can't. I can't. She probably got a whole bunch of training. Well, yeah, she used to be a stripper, which is like, you know, like, of course she can do that stuff well. But again, like, I, I don't know why I can't, like, innately do it. <laughs> um, but anyway. So, yes. Uh, so, uh, there were two specials. One was on the BBC, and it was called Sex and the Sugar Daddy, mm. which focused on sugar daddy culture in mm. Kenya. It gave the idea, it gave the impression that it was super pervasive. Mm. Every woman wants it, and all these women use sugar the, daddies. The complete generalization. Yeah, they, it, well, yeah, it's like they almost, you need a sugar daddy mm. in order to, pr- to survive. prosper. Economically, just pro- prosper or to also survive, oh, so to survive right? Yeah. So you have these girls in college who are all like, "No, I need a man who's gonna, you know, do this and do that for yeah. me." Um, and then, of course, there was the other one with Christian. I'm, I'm poor. She yeah, has a sex yeah. love series. Yeah. When she went to Ghana and that basically, was the rage. yeah, interviewed the <laughs> mistresses or whatever. Or ma- I, <laughs> and not all of them were psychics. Some of them were wives, second wives, first wives. I mean. You know, um, that dynamic is Mistresses, well. girlfriend. That's also a, a fraught thing. So <laughs> there are a lot of emotions about both of these pieces. Definitely check them out. Again, it's yeah. like Christina Amanpour's uh, Sex Love series. You just type in Amanpour's Sex Love Ghana. Ghana you'll Papa. see the video. Yeah. And then BBC Sex and the Sugar Daddy, which mm. is pretty... It's pretty long in his videos as well, with yeah. you know featuring the lives of different women. So... For me, one of the things I wanted, I was wondering about was why did these things focus on the non-traditional sexual relationships that happen in these, like, African countries, right? Is this really a thing in the African community? Like, is it so pervasive that it's what, if we need to talk, if we're talking about sex lives of Africans, mm-hmm. this is what we focus on? I mean, I think it's 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 super pervasive. I mean, my my um, I think back to my grandparents. My grandparents had multiple wives. Yeah, but uh, um, again, I, a, I think back to even 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 now, having a wife, having two or three wives, I don't think is the same thing as having your wife mistresses. and your mistress one, two, three. Even now, it is, it okay. is. Well, we can even even if you separate that, it's very pervasive. I mean, it happens, and, and I think when when Christian Amanpour um, interviewed Moesha, who's who was the Ghanaian actress that she interviewed, mm-hmm. um, she talks about how you know people have wives, they have mistresses, and then they have girlfriends, right? And you know the the and, and in that order, like they are ranked in hierarchy in that order, and how she feels like she she described herself as a Christian. She feels like Ghana is a extremely you know we're an extremely religious nation and she was like the wife knows i'm there um so i, I feel like i'm not hurting anyone i think you know I, but what what comes to me i digress what, what consenting <laughs> adults do is their business but i think for me mm. I, it's like were the bbc and amanpour airing our dirty laundry or were they looking at us with a typical african gaze with the typical they were, they were the looking West at us I, I, I think it was a look typical these because these things do things where yeah. I'm like excuse me but yeah. in France like everybody knows you know look at what's his name Sarkozy like his life his love life yeah. was a yeah. hot damn yeah. mess it's everywhere um, it's not it's not just so why then when you focus Ghana or Africa I mean the thing is just that like we don't get many stories about Africa and so the, the fact f- that they focus on that and that that's you like focus on and that. I mean Christian to be fair Christian Amanpour talked a little bit in the beginning of the segment she talks about you know the economy and how is it thriving economy <laughs> you should see bonkiki's face <laughs> but then look at these hot mess africans but they're like is it a hot mess african thing or it's, i mean it's Personal pervasive feet. enough that you know people felt like it was airing dirty laundry but it happened so much and we just sweep it under the rugs we don't talk about it 
Well, do we not talk about it? We don't. We do. We just don't talk about it on Christian on My Poor Show. But we, we, we don't talk about it as a nation. And God, like, we do not. It's swept under the rug. You, you, will, you will have pastors who are doing these things. And oh, we yeah. do not which talk is, about which it. Which is, which, you know. And it's just like, you know, you sit next oh, to them in churches who, who you know are even have, in America, have mistresses. Even in the, it's everywhere. It's not, it's not just, you know, it's not localized. Well, it's then, everywhere. Okay, so our, then the next question is, are these sex positive, you know, that's a nice term to throw around these days, um, representations, or are they just, is it like... What would you define as sex positive? Like, give me an example of a sex positive representation. And I, kind of like, I, I don't know if I fully understand, like, all the dimensions of this term, but, like, I think that there is this idea of, like, Africans being very prudish. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't talk about these things. We don't talk about sex, mm. right? And things like desire and whatever. All the things that you might want to do with your partner. Like, we don't... The most African communities... We, we don't, don't talk about it. We yeah, don't. Of course. We don't. Yeah. There are a few. I've heard of... Um, I dated someone who was really into... Oh, that was so weird. Um, he wasn't really into... He dated someone who was from... I'm going to forget it's a small African country mm. where they actually are very active about how what they teach their daughters mm. or the culture of the places that girls you learn about sex and like how to please partners and about sexual gratification at a young age mm-hmm. so of course there's some, I don't know there's some of that again like I don't know how much of that is a western gaze because this person was not yeah. African but he was just explaining um, that like that's what he understood from her and like he was like oh I really think that that's a really cool thing that like Africans do and I was like no I've not only heard about that for this I, I don't even remember the country I want to say Zambia Huh. Some somewhere in that like region yeah. that that it happens, but I would say like for West Africa, nobody people don't talk about that. People stuff. don't, and people I, don't. I don't think your parents even want to know that you haven't. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I think that's the immigrant story, right? Don't talk to boys. Don't talk to boys. How, when am I going to have grandchildren? Uh, uh. They go. For, they go from one end to another <laughs> to the other. So it's like, is this sex positive? And that like we're talking about it, and we're talking about actual people's like sexual practices and desires, and the way that it like actually. I guess that's not really what sex positive is about. I think sex positive is just like thinking about sex positively. But does this contribute to that? Or is the fact that we're talking about these mistress situations... I mean, the way that they're presented in the BBC and the I'm a poor thing is very transactional. And, and, yeah. I need somebody to buy me a car. I need somebody to fund my music career. I need somebody to make, you know, I need to make sure my daughter doesn't have to do this. And to, to a certain extent, it is, it is transactional. And not just in Africa. I've seen it in this country, in the U.S., where, for example, you have a TA or a professor. You, you're one of the top students in the class. This person, like, wants something from you. But that's awful, right? But that, I think that that's different. It, that to me is different. Well, is it different? <laughs> is if it? you come to me as a, if I am a student and someone tells me, and this has happened to people in my yeah. family, um, yeah. um, I from you know the, who were insularly old, and that's why they didn't pursue particular me, educational yeah. routes um, yeah. in order to register for this class, in order to get an A in this class, you need to do this for me. Mm. No, because that's like blackmail, right? Like that's. It's not. But if you live in a nation where. Your educational attainment is everything. I think that I think it's still wrong. Well, but it's still I, it's, wrong. It's but, not but do wrong. you blame that I don't, person? I don't from, blame the student. I blame the professor in that. But that's exactly my. Those folks. I mean, how many times have you ever heard a professor getting in trouble? Right. A pastor getting in trouble. They a boss getting in trouble. They but don't. it happens all the time. But what I'm saying is that I think that that's different from if from what they were talking about 
in these in these series where it was just like I'm going like in the the BBC one the Kenyan woman like was like I need to get me a sugar daddy or a, what they call them sponsors. Oh my God, they call them sponsors. There's, there's, there's a song, a Ghanaian song about that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I need to get a sponsor, so I'm about to hit these clubs up. But is she doing it out of necessity? Or she is doing it out of necessity, but it's still different. It's a different dynamic when it's direct necessity and when there is a like power, power relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah, you that's, know, that's like, true. That's it's true. different from like yeah. I'm gonna get. It's like I'm seeking out this person, but we don't necessarily work together. But we don't but, necessarily. But can, you, have, can, you, can you not even define that as also a power? I mean, there are folks. There are, is, yeah. but that is more. I think that the person off. The woman, let's just be real, because this is what we're talking about. Women who are in more social, like, who are more depressed socioeconomically mm-hmm. and need these men to sponsor them so that they can get out of whatever mm-hmm. social and economic conditions that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has a little bit more agency when she's saying, I'm going to go oh, that's and true. Yeah. sponsor. Yeah. Then when it's like, okay, well, you're not going to get your paycheck. More control, yeah unless you give me this mm-hmm. um, or you're not going to get your grade that you've clearly earned unless you give me this. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just so, so we agree. It's a we thing. agree. It's a thing. Why is it such a thing? Is it the, is it that this is just like the new level polygamy? Because it's I It's not also, a new level thing. It's a, it's existed. Is it a new, new phase of polygamy? Because, you know, you look back in African history or culture or whatever. It and existed even when poly- polygamy was there. Yeah, but those people were called wives, right? No. I'm talking before Christianity. You don't just have well, a wife yeah, people, people and a, do. Well, anybody. Yeah, or, yeah. If you're if in that kind of a relationship, far, yeah. you have yeah. responsibilities yeah. towards that individual, towards that woman that you don't necessarily have. That person is just your girl. I don't, I, uh, I don't think the Africans in the 1800s had girlfriends. <laughs> Only Africans in the 1500s had girlfriends. I don't think that they had a wife, yeah. and then you had another wife. And you, what I mean is that when you come with religions that are not traditional African religions, when you come with Islam who says, okay, well, you can have three or four, mm-hmm. where it puts a limit. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, like the queen, king of Swaziland. Oh, has, yeah, like, has the, yeah. It can go beyond that. I mean, some of my presidents. Or you come with yeah. Christianity that eventually said you can only have one. What do you do now for that dynamic? I wonder, like, how much of it is that, if that makes sense? Mm. Because, like, we, but people, people, grandmothers some, and great grandmothers' generations, they were first, second, and third wives. I, I don't know. So there are people now who have you know, multiple wives who still do this, right? But not so, everybody feels like they can. They can, yeah. You know, someone would be like, "Hey, I'm a good Christian. I can't have more than one wife." Well, you legally, get married. You legally can't have more than one wife. But people, do, but you can traditionally. Yeah, but some people, yeah, and some people do do that. But I just think that, like, the different levels that are created are more because of this, like, traditional tendency. Like, I think about, um, I was in a program um, uh, in Qatar, and there was a Nigerian guy there. He claimed to be a prince. I don't know. We won't leave that part alone. But he, it was really hard for It was hard for me. No, his name was actually, he might have actually been. Um, But he told our teacher that in Africa, mm. everybody has two, three, four wives. He's like, even the Christians do it. And so she came to me and was like, yeah, you know, you know, of course, this guy is straight from Nigeria and he's saying this thing. And I was like... In his community. Well, is he wrong? 
because <laughs> these sponsors are pretty much the equi- like how do you frame this in a but way no. that someone from somewhere else can understand i don't think the, the sponsors can be you, you can you can say that the sponsors are equivalent to because i think the responsibility of a mistress to a sponsor is a little bit different than uh a responsibility of a wife to the sponsor. It is a little bit different, but the same thing would it would be the same dynamics if you have three or four different wives and they each have a little house and you go to them. Go to, mm-hmm. All of those wives are not going to do the same thing for of you. Of course. All of those wives are going to have different levels of responsibility. But you're going to, you. to you're going to expect all of them to be able to cook, put food on the table for you. Whereas yeah. I feel like I think that with like I think if you're if you're a mistress or a girlfriend and you mm-hmm. come to that person's house, yes, he's going to buy the food and you're going to cook it, it for him. Mm-hmm. I think just thinking about it, like this dude explained, like I was tongue-tied because I was like, well, he explained it in a way that this woman, this like conservative Qatari woman can understand, right? And I was like, that's not actually, well, is that not what happens? Do we not know of siblings who are the same exact age but got different mamas, you know? Do we not, I mean, we have these in our community, so like how do we, I know I know of people who like grew up being taken to their, their dad's mistress. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> like, we're going to go to a trip to my mistress's house, and we're not going to tell but does mommy. A chi- but does the child typically know that, you know, the, the child, the, the older child may, but the younger child may not. I mean, not I, definitely, auntie, I definitely you know? dated a dude that was a very, very short-sighted on my part, who, that was his experience. He mm-hmm. knew his dad had a mistress. He was very familiar with her. He grew up going to her house. He knew what she was when he went there. But was she a mistress? Was she married to the dad traditionally? No. He had his married house. He grew up with his mother. His parents are married and never broken up. Yes, yes. But you can have that. <laughs> but but he had that, this mistress, woman. that mistress is treated kind of like a wife. No, the mo- well, the mother didn't know about the existence of this woman. You know, I definitely oh, ask this person these gotcha. questions. And it's just very interesting because now you have gotcha. this dynamic where this person has grown up like... How do you view that relationship? Mm. And how do you view your future relationships if you've seen, you've seen this model for and you? And you think that's okay. okay. Yeah. Because I was like... That's the, that's the thing. That's the piece I think I'm yeah. getting to where it's like, okay, all right, they aired our dirty laundry in a way. Uh, is this a... Po- then they aired it. They told the truth about us. Is this a positive thing? Is it not a positive thing? I think it's thing? a positive thing to... So, so no, that it was is the existence of, of these dynamics a positive no. thing? No. I think that one... It makes women yeah. too dependent on men to get them out of their... We, we need... <laughs> but that's what I struggle with, right? So growing up, you think back to the generations um, before us, and you think back to the woman who may or may not have known that her husband was cheating on her, um, but had to stay in that relationship because guess what? She, she can't take no all six reason. kids. Right. Yeah, she, she she does not have that independence to be able to take care of that. She will sit in the marriage, shut up, and just bear it. I feel like when elders are giving are giving you counsel when you're getting married, like it's it's like you kind of hear that, oh, you know, the, man, the man is the head of the house. And he's going to do this, and you just need to suck it up. That is one thing that I'm noticing with our generation, whether in the U.S., whether in Ghana, there's more divorce, like younger folks getting divorced because people will not, because they have the independence. I mean, to be frank, they have the independence, they work. Right. So it's Some like, people have the independence to get Some. divorced. But when Some. you're talking about college students who are like, I'm about yeah. to go find me a sponsor because I need me some shoes. There is something I mean, the broken. Li- those who do it for luxury, different. No, shoes are not a luxury. You need them for your feet. No, but no. Okay, no. But it depends on... <laughs> no, because people who do that, it's like a certain type of shoe. Some type of women do that. But like even in the, the pieces that we saw, like mm. 
this woman is doing it so she can feed her daughter. She's doing yes, it yeah, because different. she wants to reach a certain level of financial, financial security yeah. so that her daughter doesn't have to do this. Do it, yeah. And that's the piece that's hard because it's like, well, how is this different from... I don't have a problem morally with prostitution, but how is because this different from Because it's someone's job. It's but not. how is this different? I think this is what it is for me. How is this different from it's prostitution? Not. It's not. I think that's the piece that's like, wow. Prostitution is rampant in our community. But we don't call it that. <laughs> because we can't. <laughs> we can't it's call heavy. it that because it's taboo. But it's heavy. And it sucks. Because we go to church. We're religious. We can't. But we're not. You, can't. you know, that's the... Well, <laughs> I mean, I know definitely religious people, and it's not, I don't think it's just a Christian thing. I it's know. not just a Christian it's, thing. It's, it's, it's an African cross, thing. Yeah. I've definitely been like, whoa, but aren't you? Oh, okay, well, this is how we roll here. We're not all perfect human beings. We're not, We're and not. we don't have to be, and I don't yeah. think that that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, we are in, it's 2019, and these are pieces that came out last year, right, in mm-hmm. 2018. Latter we have communities year, yeah. that we're... That's what women do. Mm-hmm. I want to get a bag of rice to feed my kids. I know what I need to do. But Call my sponsor. But it's not like I know what I need to do. She has no other option. Right. That's what's up. I'm, I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming the society. I think that if women had but what more... society do I too? think that if women had more... Like you said, more mm-hmm. people can divorce now because women have more economic yeah, opportunity. But we need more because yeah. the burden is is unevenly placed on but, but when you've structured a nation where it's like... And I think we need to allow, legally allow more polygamous dynamics. Why I say this mm. is that when someone is married to mm. someone, you by law have more responsibilities to, to that them. individual. Yeah. Because then you end up with a lot of children who are born from the mistress, from the girlfriend, from the side chick, whatever you want to call it. Who are not and acknowledged. the father may or may not mm-hmm. choose to... And I mean, that that can happen in a, in a marriage as well. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of marriages mm-hmm. where the dad did nothing for the kids. Mm-hmm. But I think that those things are a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I see a lot of abuse happening when when the child's legal claim to the, the, the father, father. Is, is a little bit more tenuous um, than what we traditionally recognize in these societies. But it was weird. Yeah. I don't know, this was an interesting conversation. We go for it. It's like women feeling the pressure to get got a bounce so they can get sponsors and sugar daddies so that they can get... The thing that got me was, was the uproar over these pieces. Like, people were legitimately upset, especially with the, with the Ghana Because it, it felt like you're airing dirty laundry, but it's, she's so true. But that's the thing. She told she truth, but, but she generalized a little bit. But she she spoke truth. But she, but she but spoke her truth. Willing to, people she spoke are unwilling, her truth. She spoke her truth. But people were unwilling to admit that it was true. And that was like, come on, stop being hypocrites here. We all know. I mean, this thing has existed before I was born. I well, saw it. Well, this is why I say that like more formal representation of these relationship yeah. dynamics and really having things in place that force people the way we're, we're religious, we'll never get there. We'll never I mean, it's there. like whether you're religious. I mean, like it. it we will never go there. That's true. <laughs> well, but we can continue this conversation in different variations of it because I'm sure more pieces will come out and more. You know, yeah. there'll be more. There's more layers to this, to this discussion. Yeah. So now let's go into our final segment of the show. Um, this is a segment we call Spotlight, where we bring on an African Dan American to talk about another new topic. Today, we'll be talking to our guest about colorism. How beautiful is black to African people? We will be talking to a fellow African Dan American on her perspective on colorism. So welcome, Yasmin. Thanks for being our guest today. 
Before we begin, we just want to set the stage and give our audience a background on you. We understand that you were born and raised in Maryland, I would say in the D.C. area, and both of your parents hail from Ghana. As Bonkio and I are aware, we haven't also grown up in this area. This area is a very unique and dynamic place to be raised in. I'm sure you've undoubtedly experienced opportunities to connect with other Ghanaian families in the broader D.C. area. So I'm sure lots of parties, family members who you can spend holidays with and or just be around. Given where you lived, I, I believe you you mentioned before that you went to a school with a large African-American student population. So let me ask you this. Your skin shade is on the darker side. Definitely a rich, I would describe it as a rich chocolate or dark chocolate hue. So how do others describe your skin tone? So I would say um, for me... It- often kind of manifests as a question of gender and who those descriptions are coming from. Um, so a lot of times people will say, like, you're not anything, or um, there's a lot of times you know, get compliments from men othering, um, and like, they're seeing me, in, uh, seeing me as part of a realm of difference. So your skin's so dark, or your skin's so deep, and that's, even though the sentiment is similar, there's a distancing um, that I think I feel more often when I'm getting those same kinds of compliments from men. I wonder if with the men, it's also sort of like, uh, you know, sometimes when you, you men have a, and it's not all men, <laughs> hashtag not all of them, but sort of the, uh, you know, I want to have every kind of meal there is out there. I want to taste every flavor of ice cream that's out there as opposed to it just... I mean, there is that layer of the sexualization layer isn't just quite there in the same way as it is with men as it is with women. Although it can be there with women as well. Yeah, definitely. I would say with women, a lot of times it feels kind of like a mutual recognition. Like it's not always coming from other dark skin women. Sometimes it's just from other black women or women of color who are a very different skin tone, but a kind of recognition of a more generalized beauty. Whereas with men, it's often it just feels very charged with the specific interest in very dark skin. And there's just something that isn't like, doesn't feel as good, honestly, coming from them. Do you think that it's also there with uh, white men versus white women? Just asking because you pointed out other black women, other women of color, but I'm sure white women also have told you that like, you know, you're a dark beauty or what have you. Yeah, I actually had a really jarring encounter um, a few months ago in Iowa City, where I'm currently living, where I was in a cafe, mind my own business, and a white woman, as soon as I walked in, I could feel her staring at me, um, which was, like, the first indication that something awkward was going to happen. <laughs> like, made a huge point to, like, get up from her booth and walk over to me, where I was sitting in the front, and she just, like, rascal and was like oh my god your skin like so rich and it was just this like drawn out like compliment and you know I'm accustomed to having to be demeaned and say oh thank you I appreciate it she went on and on and, and then she said you know then she asked me if I was a Nigerian mm-hmm. always you know like 
why just ask me where I'm from exactly <laughs> like and then she says oh I ask if you're Nigerian because I know a Nigerian boy who has a very similar skin tone <laughs> and uh, y'all I just like, I like we're 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 we're, at, we're from a country yeah. of black people <laughs> <laughs> my love like, <laughs> maybe, um, like Lupita ads out here. <laughs> <laughs> I like whack. Yeah, exactly. So I just. Boris and Yvette, like, there's so many dark people out there. Exactly. Like, stop. And it's like the fact that, you know, then she told me the story of this boy that was adopted and became this whole other thing. And it's like, wow. What was supposed to just be a baseline compliment became this way of, like, first of all, she embarrassed me because she was just doing the most in this really small restaurant. Of course, everybody was white. Right. And it was so performative. And then, like, you know, I'm having to perform giving you, like, information about me and my background. And all this was supposed to be was a basic compliment um in a way that a very simple like hey girl your skin's popping like that doesn't do that that makes me feel included um and part of something bigger so yeah that is quite often honestly the experience i've had with white women um complimenting my skin tone and then with white men what do you see within me besides just skin tone a skin tone that you're attracted to um yeah, but if I went into my OkCupid okay inbox, I d- could definitely pull out like at least a hundred messages over the past few years that are like just white men literally saying like your skin or your skin and your teeth, the contrast. Oh my the god, skin and your like, teeth, the contrast. Oh wow, yeah, you're what an like, opening oh, line. It's so dark. How? Oh, how is it possible? Dude, like- <laughs> You don't get messages like that. I have so many messages with skin and teeth. No, I do. But honestly, I get a lot from brothers who are like, hey, black queen. Hey, black honey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Black, black sugar. You know, black magic. I, I do from white men but like, as well. But like, never, never anything like, oh, the contrast between your skin yes, and your teeth. Yes, but I care about color spectrum. So I think both. <laughs> the 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 pictures that I post may be like putting me in a light where I don't seem as dark now that I think about it maybe I'm not sure I don't know if that makes sense but like I'm pretty sure you and I are the same the same whatever the same shade of darkness or what have you so yeah but it's interesting because I feel like I mean one thing I've been thinking a lot about just this week was um foundations like because most of my foundations I think match my skin tone, but they're always mm-hmm. the darkest except um, for Lancome. And like, I remember when they started the um, Lupita campaign, I was like, Lancome doesn't have no Lupita colored shades. Like, not. But then I tried it, and actually, it was the first time I've ever tried a foundation where the darkest tone was too dark. Mm-hmm. Um, felt too dark and then I actually couldn't figure out if it was really my tone like it's the tone that I would wear yeah I used to seeing myself lighter when I wear foundation and that started to really kind of mess with my mind like what are the because most of the pictures I post are me with like at least something on my skin or in some kind of like good lighting um or with some kind of flash and you and- usually have colorful clothing as well which yeah. also adds to it. Now that we have Fenty, you can always go try that. Oh, Fenty is, it's so much that it's, um, 
It's a little um, intimidating for me. Yeah, I like rushed out to get um, the foundation when it came out. And that was actually the second brand that I had an experience with. Where I initially just like immediately got the therapist shade. And I don't know, because when it sold out like super fast, of course, that one was like one of maybe two of like 40 colors that was still in store. And I was like, great perfect to be this dark for the first time I'm really happy to get my shade mm-hmm. and I had that same experience of like oh. oh this doesn't look yeah it's hard to describe it's like it didn't look I'm so used to like having a certain look with foundation and it didn't look that way I didn't know if it's because I expect foundation to make me look a bit and there's so Ashy. much yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> like to look brighter like oh you need to brighten it's a brightening it's luminizing there's so many words that are included for like lighter and you fall into that like I'm used to feeling or whatever but really this just made me look the same um and yeah so I changed it for like one shade lighter and I like really struggled with that it probably seems very like trivial but yeah, I struggled with, like, again, do I rely on foundation, like, when I do wear it, which is not very often, mm-hmm. um, but, like, a lot of times when I'm taking pictures, taking pictures, I am reading it, do I look to foundation to make me look brighter, and does brighter in a way really just mean slightly lighter, and what is it about that that is, like, what I've come to expect, um, um. Some of that's come from like watching like Jackie Ana. And I feel like a lot of times when she matches foundation, it's not like, you know, it's not a perfect match. It is, it does brighten her skin um, and make her look a little bit lighter. And I thought, okay, if that's what women do with foundation in general, like maybe that's what is normal. Yeah. But well, yeah, some of, some of it might just be that we've, we've just never had shades that came yeah. as far as we do. Right. And now we need to figure out what that means. Yeah. But we don't, uh, I feel like <laughs> we've all just been doing whether, it, you know, we've all been wearing shades that were either too dark or too light for us. And now we have choices and we have to like redefine how we use these different types of makeup because now it's not, um, I don't know, Siri, when we say wait for do, like uh, make do. I, I think that's, what, I guess, the best relation of that. We don't have to just make do with whatever's around. We got Fenty and Lancome and, you know, um, really nice high-end makeup that we can, well, I'm going to say higher-end makeup than, like, the drugstore. Because we always have Black Opal. And you could always get your shit. We did not always have Black Opal. Black Opal. I grew up with Black Opal. Ambi. What's the other one? There's another. There's there's, there's a few I'm I'm forgetting right now. Mizani. <laughs> I will you know, there's like the uniquely and I don't think I realized this until I started watching makeup videos, but the uniquely brown skin, dark skin issue of having maybe it's not that unique, but um your face be like a very different tone than the rest of your body. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like my face is a lot darker than my neck and my shoulders, and especially mm-hmm. not like my shoulders out. A lot of times I'm just matching so that, like, everything looks synchronous together. Yeah. Um, So maybe it doesn't even have to be uh, as, you know, big of a question as just feeling like, you know, you have a unified look, which is what makeup, I guess. Did you grow up with thinking of that? Did you grow up saying, um, 
you know, like, when you talk about the contrast within face, I think everyone has that because we all, uh, as long as we're exposed to the sun, right? That's why, like, the sun, your face is the, the part of your body that gets sun exposure the most. But people would, like, show their inner arm and be like, that's my real color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just me and my family. That's my real color right there. Not... <laughs> Yeah, no, it her face. feels familiar. I don't remember specifically, like, looking at specific parts, but there was all kinds of weird things about, like, what parts, like, if your elbows were too dark or, like, what parts of you are lighter. Like, yeah, just strange histories around, like, the different tones within your own body. It's good times. Good times. We Just interesting to ask because we grew up not that far from each other. Um, yeah. So Yasmin, did you know what skin bleaching products were growing up? Um, I don't think that I did until I want to say I had a sense about them, maybe through high school and college, but it didn't honestly become very real to me until um, I studied abroad in Ghana, mm. um, the junior spring of my junior year, and there were ads for skin bleaching, and there were women like that were whose skin destroyed like very clearly mm-hmm. um, heavily affected by bleaching um and that's became very real to me but no one that I knew or no one in my family no one personal to me um like even talked about bleaching or referenced it so I had no idea until I went and was more immersed like in Guinean culture in different parts of the country to clarify the ads that you saw were speaking out against the practice or they were advertisements no they're i'm trying to remember like Pro. i want to say there's like light and lovely or yes that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah fair and lovely that's what it's yeah called. and i might be confusing too because my um, worked in the UAE, and there was also a culture of like skin lightening products mm. in the beauty supply store there too. But definitely in Ghana, I mean, there was large billboards with uh, lightening skin lightening products, and this was in 2012. So I'm not sure. I know some other countries. I want to say have like had some activism against. Um, I was the just guys. there, and it's much mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, oh, okay. a lot of people are lighter. Yeah. yeah. So looking back on your childhood, when would you say um, was the first time you conceived encounters with colorism? Um, unfortunately, it was really early. I don't know that I could put a specific moment on it, but definitely in elementary school, um, just there was a huge culture of, of bullying, um, and a lot of the bullying revolved around being African in a broader sense. Mm. Um, and so which, I, which community were you were you experiencing this bullying in? Um, mostly from the black community. I mean, not mostly, entirely, honestly, from the black American community because that's who was in my vicinity. Um, so when I was in elementary school, I went to a school that was maybe 85% black and 15% white and Asian and Latino. And um, most of the black students were black American and then there was a smattering of other like Guinean students there were some Nigerian students um, one of my best friends was Sierra Leonean um, mm-hmm. too. yeah and um, yeah we were all bullied regardless of our skin tone all of us were on the darker side of the spectrum and I would say out of the people going to elementary school with I was definitely always one of the darkest ones but lots of kind of 
you know, like silly things. Like if we turn off the lights, no one will be able to find you or like, you know, like we can't, like there was one guy who was really just rapidly um, cruel to me and he was a black boy named Pierre. Um, he had like a fancy French last name too, and so I think he was a fancy black person, I guess. But um, he just had the meanest jokes. I remember he would like pull out like a black piece of construction paper and like put it next to me and be like, "Which one's Yasmin and which oh is the paper?" Oh God! Yeah, I just would come up with things. You know, I mean, it was creative, I guess. But uh, talking about he was creative. <laughs> I'm trying to be like mildly generous, um, but yeah, just wow. the level of bullying. I won't like, um, you know. Now, of course, it's in the past. It's not something I think about, but it was really intense and definitely very other within the community. I didn't ever think of myself as dark skin until that was made clearly apparent to me by my peers. Um, in then, in contrast with like growing up at home. Because you say you didn't know about uh, bleaching creams and things like that, but you were aware of colorism, or like you—I mean, whatever. We didn't have the term until we got older, but you—you mm. you understood that there was something about being different shades of brown that made you more or less valued. But like, what was that? How was that in contrast to what you were going on? Was going on at home? Yeah, I don't want to paint. Um, like, I guess I can only speak to my like very specific uh, home experience but I really never I can't actually remember any commentary on skin color from within the context of my own home and that's not to say like within Ghanaian culture there aren't there isn't a certain appreciation for different gradients of skin or like similarities but in how lightness and darkness are understood but like within the context of my immediate family like you know i I have one sister, she's slightly lighter than me. Um, my dad is slightly darker than me, and my mom is the lightest one in our family. But that was never something we thought about actively until it was kind of conditioned to, to think about that and be concerned with that outside of the home. And um, in my current creative work, I write a lot about like blackness and the diaspora and, and various experiences that I have and I have a really distinct memory of um understanding maybe when I was around 12 that my mom she's not light-skinned by any means but she's definitely like you know far lighter than the rest of our family um and kind of starting to see that in a lot of the community like even within the context of the Ghanaian community a lot of wives are lighter in the spectrum of like friends that my parents had a lot of the wives were lighter than the husbands and feeling like like who am I going to be lighter than there's only like a very limited number of shades that are darker than me um and then especially as I got into high school and started thinking about dating there was always this feeling of like I don't know if this person dates dark-skinned girls like they seem to always be with light-skinned women and so that's when I started to participate myself in this kind of like categorization um, of like, I need to know in the spectrum. I need to know what people like and if I'm going to be part of that. And being dark skinned, I very much was wrapped up in this idea that I would only be attractive or, you know, 
and it became not just about skin, but about my perception of beauty that I would only be like beautiful enough for a certain group of people. And that definitely wasn't ever going to be most people. Well, thank God that you're not limited to, you know, dating only the people <laughs> who you're lighter than. <laughs> Growing no more. No, that, that, that was pretty neat. Um, do you say that, do you think that like the importance of skin shade, well, I think you already talked about this, but like mm, as now that you're an adult um, and you look at the African-American community and compare it to like how your experiences within the Ghanaian or Ghanaian-American community, do you think that colorism plays the same role um, or same type of importance that it, for both communities or do you still recognize those subtle differences um, that you picked up on as a kid growing up, kind of contrasting like um, you know, looking at the Ghanaian and families and seeing it, but it's not something that's like pushed on you every day. Whereas, you know, you go to school and these kids are whatever comparing you to dark objects. I think, I think one interesting thing that I didn't anticipate or even really process until recently was that like when I was in at all until um, high school, I was in majority black spaces. And there was so much like opportunity. Oh, is that your white dog? Like, <laughs> <laughs> your fluffy white dog. <laughs> dog really is like pure white, snow white. So it's just <laughs> funny that we're talking about colorism. And she also wants to enter the discussion. It's fine. You should um, bring her. No, it was great. Yasmin, she wanted to be a part of the discussion. On the <laughs> and I think as a snow white dog, she should yes. be able to. Say her piece. He's like, I don't think colorism is real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see color. <laughs> My mama's black, so. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like one thing I didn't recognize until I left the area that I grew up in was how, within a context of a community that's majority black, there are so many opportunities to create sorts of divisions and distinctions and separations. Um, and some of that was great. Like most of my friends in high school were from different parts of the African diaspora. So it was great to learn about like different perspectives within blackness. Um, but I would huh. say once I got into college, there were so many like fewer black people that we had to kind of collapse a lot of the distinctions that had caused separation growing up. So like in all honesty, um, from having like a really diverse friend group in terms of people being from all parts of the diaspora in high school to mostly having black American friends when I was in college, which I didn't honestly expect. Um, and so all that to say, I think it changed my perspective on colorism because there was a lot more solidarity in my college experience. And that's kind of continued in the um, since I've left college. Um, and so there's just been a lot less opportunity for the kind of division that I feel like were so part and parcel of how I thought of myself when I was um, a lot younger. But I think what was once this sort of overt distance or calling out or bullying is now a more ingrained kind of cultural understanding and that what was once like me being told you're too dark is now me kind of comparing myself to media representations or celebrities or um, just more generally like who I see in terms of women in general 
um, being represented like broadly. Um, and that's kind of where I see colorism manifesting like as an adult, as opposed to in these very personal um, and hurtful encounters. That's so funny, again, because I know, we know each other, of course, and we grew up like, I don't know, 45 minutes away from each other. My experience has been the opposite. So just thinking about that, I never thought about gradations in skin color until I got to college. Um, and it, I mean, some of that might also just have to do with um, different kind of like racial segregation and setup and history um, there, as opposed to you who went to the university in St. Louis, where there's a different kind of like ethnic and racial divide in, in terms of the geographical region that it is, the city, and then like then that also affecting kind of the university setup. So that's really interesting. Like I never thought about, I remember like watching the Cosby show and it not occurring to me until I was older that like Denise was lighter than, <laughs> than every, you know, Denise and Sandra like didn't look like the other siblings <laughs> um, and that those were like half uh, mixed characters. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that that was an interesting contrast because, you know, it's yeah. the county, it, but we, we grew up very differently. But I was writing a piece about colorism. Um, broadly, I didn't necessarily think about, like, skin tone or how she looked in specific ways. But I remember thinking and, like, talking to my sister when we watched the show about Denise is just, like, very obviously the most beautiful of the sisters, like... She's the most desirable one. She's the one with all of the culture and the cool. And even if it wasn't necessarily this feeling that you, she was those things because she was lighter. Um, she carried all of the characteristics of being like cool and interesting and worldly and and um, like yeah, there's just something that's that's particularly unique about that character being given all of those qualities. Thank you very much, Yasmin, for coming on and for sharing with us your experiences. Thank you to your dog as well for <laughs> <laughs> imparting her words. just wanted to bring the white perspective, white right. people, yeah, you know, white dogs. So about, something to say. A future when blacks and whites can live together. <laughs> uh, it's Dr. King's dream. <laughs> the life. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Yasmin. Um, Yes, great to talk to you guys. Yeah, it was wonderful talking to you too. Hopefully we can talk to you some more in the future. Yes, thank you for having me. That's our show for today. Like what you heard? I have an idea on a topic you'd like African.American to discuss. Would you potentially like to be featured in our spotlight section? Let us know. You can email us at African.American spelled out. African.dotamerican at gmail.com. Again, that's African.dotamerican at gmail.com. See you later. Yeah.